<laughs> That's next week's sermon series. Uh, we're starting Bedroom Confessions. And it's going to be really fun and awkward. Almost as awkward as taking honey. Anyway, um, uh, we're going to have a great time with this four-week series that I'm going to be teaching about a bedroom confessions. Let me tell you, kind of give you just the broad brushstrokes of it. All of us, we ask some things that we kind of have those internal conversations with ourselves that we never do really talk about anybody else or, uh, or with no one else, and we definitely don't talk about it in church. So we're going to be talking about some of these confessions that all of us have that many times we struggle with. And uh, next week... Um, the sermon title is uh, What Happens When You're Not Getting Any. It'll be really fun. My God. Anyway, um, all right. <laughs> Today, uh, uh, it's a little bit easier message because we're talking uh, and we're finishing our series entitled Follow. And I really hope you've enjoyed this series. Uh, I'm just a huge kudos and thanks to Dave Thompson, uh, our teaching pastor, who kind of went through this series as well, and we've kind of co-taught it, but he's done the brunt of the work. And he's put me on third base, and today, God willing, I'm going to help bring it home. Um, but one of the things that we've learned about in this series is that everybody is invited to follow Jesus. It's just kind of an open invitation, no matter uh, who you are or what you've done or what your past or how much you believe or how much you don't believe, how much knowledge you have, that everyone has been invited to follow Jesus. And we've learned that the word Christian really doesn't appear hardly, hardly any in the Bible. But one of the things that we see over and over and over again, especially in the Gospels, those four counts of Jesus' life, is that Jesus, many times over and over, he invited people to follow them. But today, I want to talk about one of the biggest barriers that you and I are going to have about following Jesus. And i got to be honest with you, growing up in church, I struggled with this one. This is one of my biggest hesitations for following Jesus, and it has to do with the long jump. All right. Now, let me tell you a long jump. So you may, you may wonder, like, what does long jump have to do with Christianity? And that's a great question. But, but I think many times I saw following Jesus is like competing in the long jump. Now, again, what is the long jump? Long jump or the broad jump uh, is a track and field event in which athletes combine speed, strength, and agility so that they can be able to jump from one area to another. In fact, here on, um, on the front of the stage, uh, we have 29 and one-fourth feet. So 29 feet and, and one-fourth feet, and this represents the longest long jump ever done. The person who actually jumped 29 and one and one-fourth feet, four, excuse me, 29 feet, four and a half inches, that's what it is, is a guy by the name of Mike Powell. Now, Mike Powell, he set the record in the long jump of 29 feet, four and a half inches in the 1991 World Championships in Tokyo, Japan. And that, this long jump record has now stood for the past 24 years. 24 years, 25 years. So, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I think the long jump has a lot to do with what we're speaking about today because most of us, and especially if you're new to Christianity uh, or church or the Bible, we see Christianity and following Jesus like trying to compete in the long jump. And follow me on this. It's like we start here and we just have a relationship with God and we feel like we got to get to there in one big giant leap. In, I don't know about you, but I, I, don't, 
I don't jump that far and I don't jump that high right and I'm definitely not going to make it from here to there in one big long jump it's just not going to happen and, and many of us, again, if you're kind of new to Christianity, you're like, is there a smaller step I can take? I mean, is there, is, is there something that I can maybe take a step here and a step here? No, no, you've got to go from zero to 29 and four and a half inches, 29 feet, four and a half, I'm struggling with that, 29 feet, four and a half inches in one big long jump. And you're like, it just doesn't make sense. I can't do that. And we read passages like this. Jesus told them, if you want to be, what does it say? Perfect. Okay, TV timeout right there. I'm not perfect. And if you're married in here, you're not perfect either because you got a spouse that reminds you of that, right? I mean, well, hang on. you got to go home with her. All right? If you want to be perfect, then here's what you got to do. you got to go and sell all of your possessions. Give the money to the poor. Whoa, sell everything? i got kids. I got jobs and stuff. I mean, I mean, that seems like a little irresponsible. You got to sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And then come and what? Follow me. <laughs> okay, T Jesus, that's a really big jump. Do you have like a, a smaller step that I can take before I got to sell my four hundred one k? And cash it all out? I mean, is there like a, a smaller thing that I can maybe, like a, a, a smaller decision I can make before I just got to do it all? I mean, is there an easier step? If there's not, well, I just don't think I can make that jump. Or too big of a step. Look at this next one. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, that's what we're talking about, you must turn from your selfish ways. That's kind of difficult. Take up your what? cross and follow me well take up my take up your cross isn't that what jesus was nailed to isn't that what he died on you want me to die jesus well, i'm glad you brought that up next verse then you will be arrested persecuted and killed <laughs> uh, you will be hated all over the world because you are my what for those people who are just people pleasers, we struggle with that one, right? Jesus, do, do you have anything smaller I can take? That's just too big of a jump. I can't make it. It doesn't matter how much running I do, I'm not going to make it. There's no way. It's just too big. It's, you're asking too much. Do you have a smaller step that I can take so that I can get where I need to be? You don't? I guess church isn't for me. I guess religion isn't for me. I guess Jesus isn't for me. And it's the reason why so many of us, you kind of bounced out of church a long time ago because you saw where you were at currently and where you looked at somebody else and where they were at and you compared yourself to them and you, th and you said to yourself, that's just too big of a step. I'm never going to be that good. I'm never going to have that much faith. I don't know what to believe. I don't know even know how to get around my Bible and second hesitations and first opinions. I don't know where any of that stuff is at. So I guess... It's just not for me. Well, there's good news. The good news is that Jesus never expects you to compete in the long jump. Jesus never expects you to take a huge leap of faith, take a 29-foot, 4.5-inch leap of faith. Jesus, Jesus isn't asking you to take 
a long jump. Jesus isn't even expecting you to take a leap of faith. Jesus is asking you, here's what he's asking you, to take your next step. And if you do that, you will be amazed over a period of time just how far you've been able to come. Now, the verses that we're going to be looking at today, we're going to be looking at two. One is going to be in the book of Matthew, and the one is, other one's going to be in the book of Luke. Now, let me kind of explain this if you're kind of new to Christianity. We have four accounts of the life of Jesus. We have four biographies, and each one of these accounts is written by four different perspectives and four different people. You have Matthew, who is an eyewitness. He was a Jewish guy who was an eyewitness to everything that Jesus did. You have Mark, who wasn't an eyewitness, but he interviewed Peter, and Simon Peter kind of hung out with him and filled him in, and Mark, John Mark, wrote that, and he wrote the, the Gospel of Mark. You had Luke, who was a Gentile, he's not even Jewish, and wasn't there, but he thoroughly investigated. He's a doctor, and he was like very, I mean, he wants to investigate everything there is so that he can kind of give this, this extreme account, the big picture of Jesus' life. And then you have John, and John was an eyewitness. So you have two eyewitnesses, one who did an interview with Simon Peter and Dr. Luke, who kind of, I mean, he was interviewing everybody. So what we're going to be looking at today is we're going to be looking at Matthew's account of, this, of a story, and then we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to see the same story, but Luke gives some more information. Matthew, when I was growing up in church, some people would preach from the book of Matthew, and I would read it, and I would go, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of nuts, and I don't think I can do that. I think it's too big of a jump. And we're going to see, as we go into the book of Luke, that even though Matthew tells the story, he doesn't give all the story, and Luke kind of fills in the pieces. So, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and let's turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And this is where it starts in the story. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two, uh, um, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the lake. Why? Because they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed them. What? You mean this guy walks up in sandals, some Birkenstocks, and he says, hey, listen, I want you to follow me, and you just kind of stop and walk off? I mean, okay, it gets worse. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Look at this. They were in their boat with their, who? Father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And this is what it says. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat, and look at this, and their father, and followed Jesus. End of story. Now, that doesn't seem spiritual, that seems irresponsible, right? I mean, hey, Dad, the guy in sandals, we're going with him. Good luck with the family business, right? I hope it all works out for you in the end. Tell Mom we're deuced out. Bye. I mean, that doesn't, that, that leaves me scratching our heads. I mean, in the church that I grew up in, I heard somebody preach a sermon. It's like, if you love Jesus, then you're going to give him everything, and you're going to follow Jesus no matter what. And they would say phrases like, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And I heard that as a kid, and I'm like, I think I'm going to choose Lord not at all. 
because it's too big of a jump. I can't do that. I don't have that much faith. I don't have that much knowledge. I don't think I can make it to, from here to there with one big leap. I'm just going to go with Lord, of, of Lord, not at all then. I mean, it's just too extreme. And again, I understand that. And that may be kind of how you're feeling as well. If you grew up in church, it's like, you know what, I just don't understand it. It's just, I want to, but I don't. And, I, and we'll go down front, and, and we'll say, okay, I'm going to do better next time. And we try, and we jump, and we don't make it. And we jump, and we don't make it. So we go back, and we rededicate. And we get rebaptized, And we pray a prayer again. And we're like, okay, I can do it this time. I want to make that 29-foot leap. And we jump, and guess what? Do we make it? No. And we're like, there's something wrong with me. Maybe I need to believe better. I need to believe harder. I need more faith. I may need to rededicate again. Well, <laughs> here's the good news. Matthew tells us the story, but it's not the whole story. I mean, that is what happened, but it's not all that happened. So Luke gives us the same account of the same story, but he kind of fills in the missing pieces. Remember, Luke is writing to people like you and me, Gentiles, who, people who don't have as big a faith as the Jewish race. And people who need a little more information before we say bye to mom and dad and just walk off and leave the family business, right? Luke begins his gospel, and he says it this way. He says, I've thoroughly researched it all, and I've gotten all of the details. I've tried talking to everybody I could, so here is the rest of the story. Now, this story takes place on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Here's a map of the Sea of Galilee, right? The Sea of Galilee is right up here, and the, uh, the Jordan River actually flows down to the south into the Dead Sea. And anybody want to know the reason why they call it the Dead Sea? Because nothing lives in the Dead Sea. Now, this, the Sea of Galilee is a sea. In fact, here's some pictures of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it is not a lake. It is not a pond. It is a sea. And here's a, a picture I took when I was uh, right next to the Sea of Galilee. Here's another one. Um, and it's, as you can tell, it's massive. And what Christians do, if you're there on the, uh, in Israel, is you can take these boat rides on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, here's a picture of me uh, on a boat, right, on just right next to the Sea of Galilee. And I, I'm trying to calm the waters and nothing's happening because I'm not Jesus. All right, but this next picture of, is us on the bow of the boat. And here's me. Um, and, uh, and it's just, I mean, Christians, you can take these, these jaunts on the Sea of Galilee, right? So go back and let's look at some of these sea pictures. I mean, it's just, it's a massive thing. It's a massive sea, right? So it happens on the Sea of Galilee, and it's happening with some fishermen. So let's look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So one day as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee... Matthew left that point out, right, that Jesus was just standing by there with the people crowding around them and doing what? Listening to the word of who? Okay, again, Matthew left that point out. You see, what's happening is Jesus is teaching. Jesus isn't just showing up and going, come on, follow me. There's more that happened than just that. So Jesus is there, he is teaching, and, and again, he's giving us some more information that Matthew kind of left out. Now, this is really important, because following Jesus always begins with information. 
always following jesus begins with information it's about listening following jesus does not begin with hey make a 29 foot jump and leap of faith Uh, we want you to leave your world leave your business leave your family leave your lifestyle and follow jesus it never starts there it starts with information now this is important because if you're part of a, a religious system or a church or a denomination that says you know what don't ask any questions Don't ask any questions, never question, never have any doubts. You just need to follow without questioning anything. You need to run away. Because that's that's not what the information that Jesus has given us. In fact, it's one of the reasons why up on these screens, my number is up there so that you can ask questions. Starting point that's starting at 11 o'clock is all about you asking questions because it's not just about blind faith. It always starts with information and teaching and listening and learning. Jesus always built people's faith. Jesus introduced the concepts of faith and Heavenly Father around information and teaching. So he's standing at the edge of the water. He's teaching these people. They're crowding alongside him. They're crowding, crowding, crowding. And again, his feet are getting wet because he's kind of having to back up. So he is soon going to be like treading water trying to teach. So this is what happens. So Jesus says that Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the what? Fishermen who were doing what? Washing the nets. Now, let me explain what would happen. Fishermen fished at night. They fished at night, and they would fish all night, and then in the morning, they would bring their boats to shore, and they would take their nets. Now, let me kind of, here's some pictures of what they would do. This is me, and what they have these nets that they would put over their shoulders while they're standing in the boats at night, and around the nets, they would have these weights, and you can go to that next picture. What they would do is they would throw these out, and they would throw it out. It's almost like spinning a pizza. It would open up. And it would sink to the bottom, and they would hold that cord, and when it would sink and the weights would come out, they would start pulling those nets out, pulling those nets out, and they would pull it up on the boat, and they would be taking the fish out. And then they would do it again. So they would heave, they would throw out, they would let it settle, and they would pull it back. And they did that all night long. So in the morning, when they get back, they should have a a, a catch of fish, And then what they have to do is they have to take care of their nets because that's how they make their living. So they stretch out their nets on some wooden posts. They pick out the sunglasses and the beer cans left over from the night before that they kind of hauled up from the Sea of Galilee, right? And they stretched it out, and they were done for the morning. They would then roll them up. They would put them away in the boats. They would go home and sleep until they have to wake up that evening, and they would go back out, and it would all start all over again now with that in mind let's keep on reading so these fishermen in the morning they are done fishing they are washing and drying their nets and this is what happened he gets uh, jesus gets into one of the boats the one belonging to simon peter and ask him to put out from pull out from the shore this is an important point because peter jesus said peter can i inconvenience you for a little bit now listen can i borrow your boat I know you're up on the shore and you're drying out your nets and you're picking out the seaweed and all that stuff, but can you just pause what you're doing for a moment? I know you've been kind of listening with the rest of the crowd. I just, I need a boat. 
So can I get in your boat and can you kind of untie it and we push out from the shore? And Jesus then continues to teach in the boat. And it's an inconvenience to Peter. He has to stop what he's doing. Now Jesus has some distance from the crowd. He's out in the water a little bit and he's he's able to talk to the crowd. And then he says that in verse 3. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Following begins with listening. Faith is built around content, information, getting your questions asked. That's where it always begins. Next verse. So Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John have been listening, listening, listening. And then when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Peter. Now, this is really important because he could have said all kinds of different things to Peter. I mean, he could have said many things to Peter. He could have said, you know what? It's time for you to walk away from everything, walk away from your family, your friends, your business, and follow me. I mean, he could have done that. And at least Luke's version, Peter got a little information before he was just expected to make that ah, 29-foot leap of faith. But Jesus didn't ask Peter to walk away from it all and follow him. Jesus didn't ask Peter to take a 29-foot, four-and-a-half-inch leap. Jesus says this instead. When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. This is very important. He asked Peter to do something Peter had done a thousand times, but he asked Peter to do it in a way he had never done it before. Now, if you're Peter, there's two problems with this. There's two problems. First, number one, Jesus, I don't know if you were paying attention, but I just got finished cleaning my nets. I've been out all night long, and we really hadn't caught anything, and I've been pulling the seaweed and the cans and everything out, and you want me to get my nets wet again? I mean, it's, it would be like you going up to somebody, hey, like, can I ride your horse? And you, were, you had just got finished brushing the horse and oiling the saddle hey can you take me out on your four-wheeler listen it's already up in the truck and it's already washed off i mean we're done for the day i mean that's the first problem we just finished cleaning the nets he says peter hey let's go fishing and then (laughs) peter is respectful Jesus is a rabbi, and that literally just means teacher. Jesus is a rabbi, but there are thousands of rabbis everywhere. There's all kinds of teachers and preachers everywhere. So Peter is a fisherman. Peter is the one who knows all there is to know about fishing. Not this rabbi. Peter thinks to himself, this teacher needs to spend some more time in his books because he stinks as a fisherman. Jesus, don't swerve into my lane. You keep teaching. Let me do the fishing. But but Peter, he's got more tact than that. Not much, but a little bit more. And he says this. Simon Peter answered, Master. Now, we don't use the word master. But this is not like saying that, hey, you're God or you're the son. It's none of that. Master is kind of another word for mister. So Simon Peter answered, Mister. It's kind of just respectful. We've worked all night. In other words, we've been fishing all night, and we haven't caught what? Nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. They got nothing. Nothing, right? Now, this is important because, remember, when did fishermen go fishing? In the day or at night? At night. And here's the reason why, because this is not a lake. This isn't a pond. It's sea. It's very deep. 
And when the water's cool, the fish come to the surface. So when you're going to fish with a net, not with a pole, but with a net, since it's not deep sea fishing, you fish at night because that's where the fish are at. When the sun comes up, the water heats up, and the fish go deep. And the nets can't reach it. So they have been fishing all night. They've been fishing when you were supposed to fish. And they have caught zilch. They've dried their nets. They've come home empty-handed. And now Jesus says, Pete, Pete, hey, what are you doing? Let's go fishing. You Let's go fishing when you're not supposed to go fishing. I want you to do something you've done a thousand times. But I want you to do it differently. I want you to do it my way. I'm not asking you to leave your family. I'm not asking you to leave your business. I'm, not, I'm just asking you to do something you've done a thousand times before. Would you just be inconvenienced a little bit? I, and we don't, we don't know what Peter was thinking. Peter could have been thinking, clearly you're a carpenter. Because you know nothing about fishing. Clearly you're a preacher, dude. And you know nothing about real world stuff. Clearly this carpenter knows nothing about fishing preacher can you just stick to preaching you're good at it but i'm better at being a fisherman now peter's probably thinking i don't know if you noticed but i've already dried them the nets are up well i mean we're done for the day and he could have been thinking all of that but let me tell you do you know what was at stake at this moment you want to know what was at stake for peter what was at stake was whether or not Peter thought that he could actually trust Jesus. That's what's at stake. Simon answered, Master, we have been working all night and have not caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Not because I think we're going to catch anything. We're not. Not because I think it's going to work out. Not because I think this is going to help my reputation. Because everybody's going to see me fishing during the day and they're going to laugh and get a good chuckle out of this. I'm going to do this not because I think we're ever going to have a story to tell. or this. I'm not going to do this because it's a good use of my time. I'm going to do this because you say so. Because I've listened to you and I've loaned you my boat. And I have just enough respect for you that I'm going to give you this one shot. Now, here's the part that you can and I can appreciate because if you know nothing about Jesus, God, faith, the Bible, this is kind of your first time here, you know, you, 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 this is just, you totally get this. Imagine what hung in the balance for Peter's decision to take Jesus fishing. The reason why you and I even know who Peter's name is 2,000 years later is because Peter was willing to be inconvenienced enough and take Jesus fishing. I mean, you may think, okay, this isn't a big deal, but this was a pivot point in Peter's life. Now, some of you, that's exactly where you're at today. There, there's that internal nudge, that elbow to the ribs, that conscience that's going on right now, the thing where God is just nudging, nudging, nudging. And like Peter, you have no idea what hangs in the balance right now. Now, imagine if Jesus could have pulled out a television in front of Peter and said, let me show you what hangs in the balance, Peter, if you take me fishing. Will you take me fishing? This is what hangs in the balance. Wait for it. Do you know what this is, Peter? I don't. This is St. Peter's Basilica. This monstrosity of a building 
is where you are going to be buried. Did you know that this is going to be, you're going to be monumentalized after you death? Do you know that you're a saint? I don't, I don't feel like a saint. I cuss like a sailor. Okay, but that's now. But what you're going to see in the future is that if you decide to take me fishing, this is all going to be about your decision to do what you're going to do right at this very moment. This is your tomb, Peter. This is kind of the epic, the epicenter of the Renaissance. This is the miracle of the Renaissance. This building took 118 years to construct. In fact, let me show you the inside, Peter. You've got you to look at this. I mean, can you see the scale of this, Peter? And here you have the pews. And Peter, what's a pew? Never mind that. But it's a good thing, right? Sounds stinky. But, you know, I, it's a good thing. Right? I mean, look at this. I mean, look at all of the handiwork and the ceilings and the flying buttresses and the what? A flying what? I, you just, this is going to be, this is what hangs in the balance if you take me fishing. So will you take me fishing? Now, Peter's like, oh, yeah. I mean, this, this is what's going to happen? Yeah, I'll take you fishing. I will do that. I had no idea what hung in the balance of this single decision that I've done time after time after time. I've done it a thousand times, but because you're telling me to do it your way, and if I do it, I get this. Are, are you serious? You can have the boat. I don't care. Look at, look at what it says. Next verse. When they had done so, not when they had believed so, not when they had thought so, not when they had intended so, not when they had prayed a prayer and sang a song. No, no, no. Because doing is what makes the difference. When they had done so, they caught such a, a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, come over here, we need your help. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to do what? Sink. When Simon Peter saw this, what do you think Peter did? Did he say, Dad, oh my gosh, look what, Zebedee, look at James John, look what's happened. We don't have to work for a month. Somebody go buy a refrigerated truck. Right? I mean, the natural tendency is to get all geeked out about, look at all of these fish. But that's not what Simon did. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, this is amazing because it, it's at this moment, it's no longer about fishing. And this is what Peter says. Go away from me, what? Not master. But Peter called Jesus Lord, for I am a sinful man. In that moment, Peter, for the first time, recognized who Jesus was. And for the first time, recognized who he was. This was the beginning of Peter's relationship with Jesus. He had been shoulder to shoulder, eyeball to eyeball, with the Savior of the world for the past three hours, listening to him teach. But it was only when he decided to be, get some information, get inconvenience, and to start taking a step that he finally realized that this is the Savior of the world. Peter's like, oh my gosh, I am in the presence of my Lord. Verse 9. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon Peter, Don't be afraid. Why did he say that? Because they were scared to death. From now on, I mean, I have something for you, Peter. I have something for you, Andrew. I have something for you, James and John. I'm telling you, you're going to see some things that it's going to make you be in awe. That you won't even be able to write it all down. But until you are willing to obey me in that, that, that small inconvenient step that you've done a thousand times before, but you've done it in such a way that you did it my way, because you've been able to do that, then I'm going to show you that I actually have a purpose for your life. And in doing so, your little itty-bitty faith and trust in me has intersected with my faithfulness. And now on, you'll know who I am. And you'll know who you are. And now on, you can trust me because I have a future for you. But it all hung in the balance of when Jesus said, Peter, can you be inconvenienced and can you go take me fishing? And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on shore, left everything, and what did they do? Followed him. And you would have too. And I would have too. But not because he said, hey, leave everything and follow me. Okay, see you, bye, Dad. See you, Mom. So see you in three and a half years. No, no, no. They did so. They listened They got some information. They inconvenienced themselves and they took a single step that allowed God's faithfulness to intertwine itself with their act of obedience. Then they were ready to leave their nets and follow him. To which we would have said, well, Matthew, if you would have given us all this information, it would have made sense. We'd have understood it. Now in this story, as we close, we find four different Steps, if you would, to following Jesus. And the first one is simply this. The, four, the first stage of following Jesus is just simply sit and listen. Sit and listen. Peter and the other fishermen, they sat and they listened to Jesus teach. And for some of you, you're at this phase right now. You're sitting and you're listening. The fact that you are here, the fact that you're watching online right now, you're listening to the podcast, you're watching on the app. The reason, the, the fact that you're even here today, you get this, you've actually taken a step to follow Jesus. Why? Because following Jesus always begins with information. Always. Following Jesus always begins with content. Following Jesus always begins by getting informed. Christianity is an informed faith. It's not blind faith. Following Jesus always begins with information. So you simply being here today and sitting and listening, you're taking that first step of following Jesus. Now let me just say this as well. I mean, you can, I hope if this is where you're at, you can keep on coming back. You keep on coming back and because you want to get more information, and I get that. Everybody who always followed Jesus in the first century followed with at least a little bit of information. Now, for some of you, you've been sitting and listening for a long time. And you're kind of sitting here going, is this it? This it? Just sitting and listening? The answer is no. That's just the first step. The second step is you being inconvenienced. You being inconvenienced of loaning him 
the boat. What's the boat in your life? It's maybe you being inconvenienced by you telling him yes when he's telling you. You kind of feel that nudge. It's a little inconvenience. It starts with information, but it never does end there because eventually you have to be inconvenienced by taking a step. Now, what is your step? For some of you, it may be you being inconvenienced by saying, you know what? Okay, I follow Jesus. I trust him. Now it's time for me to be baptized. Okay, but I'm going to get in a bathtub in front of a bunch of people. That seems kind of weird. That's kind of an inconvenience, right? I mean, it's the winter, and i got to get my swimming trunks out. And anyway, I'm not even tan, right? I don't even have my summer body yet, right? I mean, I just, I don't know. It's an inconvenience. For some of you, it may be the inconvenience of saying, you know what? Uh, 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 I, I am going to actually join a small group. And here's the thing. It's, it's doing something you've done a thousand times before, but you do it in a different way. How many of y'all have ever gotten together with anybody on the weekend? Let me see your hands. That's all of us, right? That's all of us. That's great. Let me tell you what a small group is. It's you getting together with other people. Sometimes it happens on the weekend. Sometimes it happens during the week. But you get together. You've done that a thousand times with folks. But you do it in just a little bit different way. And here in a few minutes, you can leave here and you can say, okay, I'm going to be, am I going to be inconvenienced to say, you know what, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to try to get into a group. For some of you, you know what, I'm willing to be inconvenienced because I'm going to start, I'm going to stop sitting and just listening. I'm going to sit, listen, but I am going to get up and I'm going to start serving. And I'm going to get involved in ministry. And no, I don't have all of my questions asked and I don't know it all, but that's going to be my next step. For some of you, it may be, you know what, I'm going to I'm go to starting point. I'm going to do that at 11 o'clock. I wasn't planning on, I was coming at 9 o'clock, and then I was going to go beat the Methodist at Cracker Barrel. But I, today, I'm going to go to church at 9 o'clock, and then I'm going to go to starting point at 11. Because I got some questions. Because, again, faith always begins with information. Are you willing to be inconvenienced? And for some of you, you used to do some of those things, and you stopped and you're like here at one church and you're like this. Impress me, preacher. Impress me. And because you stopped being inconvenienced and you stopped taking that next step, you're not growing. And you're thinking, maybe I should go to another church. Maybe I need to find another preacher to listen to. Whatever it is. And the problem has nothing to do with the church, preacher, or the content. It has everything to do with you are not moving. Be inconvenienced and take a step. Look at the third one. The third one is to take him fishing. Take him fishing. This is where it gets really exciting because your Heavenly Father wants you to do something you've done a thousand times just a little bit differently. And it, it will probably have to do in one of three areas. Either in your relationships, in your profession... Or when it comes to money. That something relationally, he's wanting to do something differently in. Something professionally or something financially. Something at work, a different approach at home, or a different approach with your finances. And here's how you know what it is. Because you've been coming for a while, and you've been listening, and you've gotten some of your questions answered. And every once in a while when you're praying, you just kind of feel this nudge. And you just kind of feel, when you, you, you just... There's something inside of you and you think, I really need to start filling the blank. I really need to stop filling the blank. I, I, I need to begin 
doing this. I need to not do this anymore. And it's not an audible voice. You don't even know how that works. But you just, there's something inside your conscience. Like somebody, somebody's planted something in your head, and you can tell, man, I think I need to start doing this. You, you've never considered approaching relationships that way before, but now you're considering it, and, and you just can't seem to get it out of your mind. There, there's a change that you need to make, and it's not a change your whole life. It's just a change, one little change, to change one little thing that you're doing, and you have no idea what hangs in the balance if you do. You have no idea. But you've listened, and you've learned enough, and you've had enough of your questions answered, but you feel like God's nudging you saying, I want you to do your business differently. I want you to date differently. Hey, when you date somebody of the opposite sex, I want you to not give yourself away so quickly. I want you to hold that back. I, I, I want you to, how you spend your money, I want you to do it a little bit differently. I want you to start giving to me. I want you to start being inconvenienced. And I want you to do something you've done a thousand times before. But I want you to do it just a little bit differently. Here's the thing. Jesus is not expecting you to make a 29-foot jump. You can't do it. My God, I can't do it. But let me tell you what Jesus is telling you today, and it's our big idea today. Jesus is saying this. Jesus is not asking you. He doesn't expect you to have to make a leap of faith. He's just wanting you to take a what? A next step. Every one of us in here have a next step. We do. Every one of us in here have a next step. And again, he's not asking you to change your world. But he's wanting you to make one little change, one small change. And if you do that, he will show up in your life. And you're going to be floored about what he's done. You're going to go home. You're going to drive away. You're going to sit down and you're going to think, oh my gosh, you knew my name. You were so real to me today that, that that was you banging on my heart. You spoke to me. You cared for me. That I, I feel so close to you now. And to think that I almost didn't do it because I didn't know. I didn't know what hang in the balance. And then the fourth thing is simply leave your nets. Leave your nets. This is the extreme. This is where Matthew started <laughs> and Luke didn't. Because Luke kind of had a build on a bigger story. We needed more information. We needed some inconvenience. We needed to be willing to do some things that we've done a thousand times before, but doing it a little bit differently. And then, okay, I'm ready to walk away. I'm ready to be done. I mean, imagine at this moment, if you were willing to say, you know what, God... I trust it. I trust you. My life is in your hands. I trust it all. I trust it all. My dreams and all my plans, I trust it all with you. Because if you will do that, you will be able to say forever, I am changed. I will never be the same. My whole life is yours. Everything I own, my future, my relationships, God, I want you involved in every single area of my life. The question is, are you willing to take your next step? What is your next step? What is your next Is it a group? 
Is it to serve? Is it to get baptized? Is it for you to just say, okay, I'm willing to trust you. Forgive me of my sins. You have no idea what hangs in the balance, but let me tell you, God does. And this could be a pivot moment for you. You don't want to spend the rest of your life wondering, you know what, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have trusted God with my all. You don't want to spend the rest of your life wondering and wandering. God, when you had me at that moment and you wanted me to say yes and I said no, my life has been downhill ever since. What would you do? What would you give it up if you gave, sitting in your bed, late in your life, what you could give it up and say, I would be willing to go back to that moment, how my children would be changed, how my life would be changed, how my family would be changed, how my spouse, how I would be changed. If I could go back and I could just say simply, yes, I'm willing to take my next step to get closer to you. Are you willing to do that? say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust it all. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing that song. And my challenge to you, don't just leave here and go, that was a great song. And just sit still. Because it will have done nothing for you. You've got to move. You don't have to make a 29-foot jump. You just got to do this. You do that long enough. You're going to look back. And you're going to go, wow, look how far I've come. Because I was willing to take that next step. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, so many times when we look at the scriptures and we read these people of great faith, we think that we have to take the big leap, the long jump of faith. God, that's never where it begins. Lord, it begins with small steps of getting closer to you and closer to you and closer to you. God, I pray that today that all of us, we would have the courage to be able to take that next step. Whatever it is, we would take that next step. We don't even, they don't need me to tell it. They know what the next step is. Let them say, I trust it all. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.